Safer Chemicals Podcast. Sound science on harmful chemicals. Welcome to the Safer Chemicals Podcast. In today's episode, we focus on biocides and we'll go through the most important outcomes of the November meeting of our Biocidal Products Committee. If you're not yet familiar with the committee and its work, here's a quick recap. It prepares scientific opinions for the European Commission on biocidal active substances and on EU-wide authorizations of biocidal products. The Commission takes the final decisions based on the opinions they receive from the Biocidal Products Committee. My name is Päivi Jokiniemi and my guest today is the committee chair Joost van Galen. Welcome Joost and thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Very nice to be here again. So, let's get going. I think we'd start this time with active substance applications, right? I think that's uh, correct indeed. Yes, so this time there was only one active substance application on your agenda. It was for Bronopol, uh, for uses in product types 2, 11 and 12. So, for example, in disinfectants, preservatives and slimicides. Could you tell us a little bit more about this case? Yes, it was quite um, a complex case, I would say. Uh, already prior to the meeting, uh, during the working group meetings, um, we became aware that there are data gaps for mutagenicity and for endocrine-disrupting properties for non-target organisms. So it was a bit yeah, already challenging uh, to begin with. Um, we had very long and constructive discussions uh, during the BPC meeting. Um, we took it really till the end of the evening, I, I can tell you. Uh, however, in the end, the BPC members were not able to agree on the opinion. And yeah, so that was the end of that. Uh, at the end of the day, we did not have an opinion to, to, to present. So in this meeting, no conclusion. What happens now? Actually, we are at this very moment uh, revising uh, the, the opinion, um, trying to make it ready for next round of discussions with the member states. And we're going to have an additional virtual meeting uh, on the 12th of December uh, with the aim to uh, adopt the opinion uh, during uh, that meeting. So this meeting is only for this one case. It's not something that you would have had otherwise. No, we've never done this before, actually. Uh, but I think it's good um, that, that that we try to to finalize this opinion rather soon. Mm -hmm. At the moment, the members are all uh, completely aware of the situation uh, with uh, regards to this opinion, are fully in the discussion. So it's very efficient to actually try to adopt this opinion as soon as possible uh, after this meeting. Then we are looking forward to the 12th of December and uh, knowing more about this this particular case. Let's indeed hope so. Well, in that case, we will leave the active substance applications and we'll go directly to the union authorization cases. This time you had three applications to go through. What happened with them? Well, actually, there were two very easy cases, I would almost say. Um, there were not that many comments from the member states and we adopted these opinions by consensus. So that was uh, a great success. The third one was a bit more difficult because also for this application, there were data gaps. 
Uh, there was a data gap on corrosiveness to metal, and there was a data gap on shelf life studies. Um, the applicant managed to provide data on the corrosiveness to metals uh, within the 10 working days after the working groups. Uh, so those data could be taken into consideration in the discussions at the BPC. Um, however, they were not able to do that for the shelf life studies and therefore uh, the authorization uh, was restricted in the, in the opinion. Okay, but uh, in general, all these three you recommend to to authorize? Indeed, also for this third one, the opinion recommends authorization to the commission. Okay, good. Now you've mentioned both with the active substance uh, applications and also now with the union authorizations, you've mentioned data gaps. Um, it seems that lately there has maybe been some kind of increase in an amount of um, non-approvals or recommendations for non-approvals due to uh, specifically data gaps. Is this something that is a correct interpretation? We have indeed seen quite a large number of non-approvals or non-authorizations or at least partial non-approvals and non-authorizations in the, in the last few years. And this is a bit of a concern to us because companies are investing quite large sums of money in their uh, uh, applications for approval or authorization. And it's a shame that it does not result in uh, approval or authorization, especially because this is completely avoidable. You say that it's um, that it's avoidable. I'm thinking, can you clearly see that there are some common mistakes that companies could, could easily improve or change? Do you have some tips? Well, in fact, it is in principle quite easy. There should be a full dossier. Mm-hmm. Of course, we do realize that those dossiers are very uh, elaborate, very large dossiers, large numbers of, of studies. So... We do understand that, that that sometimes something is overseen. We've lately seen quite a large number of dossiers that lack corrosiveness to metal studies, that lack um, shelf life studies. Uh, for both, um, guidance is available to tell uh, the, the applicants what actually needs to be provided. So applicants should really take a very close look at that guidance. Second, it seems that some applicants think that they can continue providing information during the process. And in some steps of the process, that indeed is true. I mean, there is the possibility to provide additional data, but only on request of the authorities. In order to explain this, we have created a document for union authorization, explaining the process, explaining the points in the process where uh, information can be provided. Uh, that document is available on the webpage of the BPC. It's called uh, the Guiding Principles of Providing Data During Union Authorization Process. And we it's it's actually aimed both at the authorities and at, at the applicants because it also gives templates for the authorities to communicate uh, the, the requirements very clearly to the applicant. So we would like to invite applicants and authorities to take uh, note of this document and to apply it. Yes, and of course, all the guidance documents, those are available also on our website. So if you um, if you go to the support section, you can find all the all the guidance documents there. Good to have these concrete um, concrete advice and tips so that so that companies can really maybe um, 
check what they're doing and if not sure what to do, have a look at the documents. Indeed. And uh, it's also good to know that we are currently in the process of, of uh, preparing a similar document for uh, active substances. And that uh, document we hope to finalize somewhere early next year. And that will then also be available on the Basel Press Committee page. Yes, for sure. Very good. Uh, then if we move on to a completely different uh, topic, well, actually not that different, because again, we are talking about documents. And now there are some new procedural documents, um, specifically for active substance renewals and another one for the linguistic procedure for union authorizations. These are something that you discussed also in this November meeting. Maybe you can tell a little bit how these two impact the committee and also applicants. Yes, I can. Uh, we are continuously trying to, to find new ways to improve our processes and to become more efficient. Um, and therefore, we are seeking improvements of the documents, the procedural documents that we have in place. Of course, we try to not update these documents every few months. It's, it's a bit of a fine line, right? I mean, you want to make sure that the documents are up to date. At the same time, you don't want to hit the, the, the applicants and the authorities with new procedural documents every few months. So it's a fine balance that we try to find. Hopefully, uh, we do. Um, yeah, there are, were indeed two documents. One was on uh, the, the renewal of active substances. And recently we got a new application uh, for a renewal of an active, substances, uh, an active substance uh, where um, a limited evaluation was uh, performed. That was not part of the previous procedural document yes, yet, so that has now been implemented. Uh, for union authorization, and especially the major changes of uh, union authorization, um, there was no procedure in place yet for the linguistic review of the summary of product characteristics. And now, of course, I have to interrupt you and ask, what does this actually mean? Summary of product characteristics is a document that is um, accompanying each authorization of a biocidal product. The document contains administrative information, such as the name of the product, the authorization holder, etc. Uh, but it also contains information on uh, the classification and labeling and on the use of uh, these products. So it's a very um, useful document that should be um, implemented on the label uh, of the products. And what does the linguistic procedure then mean? We agree on the English version of such uh, uh, SPC. Okay. But of course, in the various member states, the products need to be labeled in the national language. So this SPC is translated from English to uh, the, all the languages that are being, uh, all the official languages in the EU. Um, that is being done by the applicant and it's being checked by the authorities whether they agree on uh, this translation of the English SPC. Okay, well, that's clear. So how do you see then that these new documents um, affect the committee and the applicants? Yes, we, we try to continuously improve our processes. So we believe that this, these new procedures actually um, will enable them to, to, to perform their jobs as efficiently as possible. And at the same time, by continuing to update these documents, we aim to be even more prepared for all the challenges that we may be facing in the future. 
Thank you, Joost, for going through the highlights of the meeting with me. And also, I have to say, I'm very happy that we've been able to give some practical advice also to the listeners, to companies who have obligations under the biocidal products regulation. Also, thanks all our listeners. I hope that those tips from Joost are helpful when you're preparing your applications. And as a final reminder, if you want to listen to more episodes of the Safer Chemicals podcast, you will find them on our website at eka.europa.eu forward slash podcasts. Thank you.